0: everybody and welcome to that wrestling show, the podcast where all pro wrestling matters. I am your host, Bill Covey and this week we're just gonna have a fun week here. No serious topics, no you know featured discussions, just gonna kinda, you know, go our way around and talk about different stuff happening in the world of professional wrestling. So, I'm going to start off with the weekly look at The Miz on Dancing with the Stars. And for those of you who did not see how The Miz looked, well, at least on Monday night, kind of gave me nightmares, to be honest. <laughs> um, <coughs> it, it, it did give me nightmares. It really did. Um... So, if you remember last week, uh, I had told you all that The Miz was going to perform two dances this week because it was Disney week. One was for Heroes Night, and the other was for Villains Night. But you gotta talk about Heroes Night first and foremost. The Miz uh, performed his dance to "Friend Like Me" from Aladdin. What I never thought of is that the Miz would be dressed up as the genie. I I don't know why I thought he was going to be Aladdin, but for some reason, I thought that he was going to be Aladdin. The genie look on The Miz, scared me to death. I was very concerned for my life. Um, it must have taken several hours of makeup to get that all done. Um, but, I mean, the pictures were up on social media all week. Um, now I kind of want a Miz Genie versus Blue Meanie match. Uh, WWE, if you can make that happen, Blue Meanie still wrestling. How about how about we have that? The Miz, dressed as the genie from Aladdin against Blue Meanie. Can, can, can we have that? I, I'd, I'd be in favor of that. So anyway... ...danced to be prepared from the Lion King, scored a 34. The Miz ended up being safe for the week. However, this week we had two eliminations. The two eliminations were Brian Austin Green and Matt James, both eliminated from the competition. So The Miz is right there in the thick of things. He's in the top 11, could have a top 10 finish, depending on how this week goes, because this week it'll be... Ultra Lightning Fast Exciting It's Grease Lightning 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 Sorry I I, I, I love the movie I'm a big fan of the movie Yes it will be Grease Night This coming week on Dancing with the Stars And The Miz Well he will be dancing to Grease Lightning The song With the T-Birds Unfortunately none of the original T-Birds Will be there Um, the others, Jimmy and Emma will be dancing to Sandy, the John Travolta song. Melanie and Gleb will be dancing to the big hit musical number from the end, You're the One That I Want, with John Travolta and Olivia Noonan John. Melora and Arnim will be dancing to Look At Me, I'm Sandra D." Look at me, I'm Sandra (laughs) D. Olivia and Val will be dancing to Summer Nights. Amanda and Alan will be dancing to Beauty School Dropout. Suni and Sasha will dance to Born to Hand Jive. Kenya and Brandon will dance to There Were Worse Things I Could Do. Cody and Cheryl, who are somehow still in this, will dance to We Go Together. Uh, Iman and Daniela will be dancing to Hopelessly Devoted to You, the Academy Award Nominated. Best original song, and JoJo and Jana will be dancing a reprise of "Look at Me, I'm Sandra D." So that is what is in store this week for the Miz on his quest to win the trophy of Dancing with the Stars. Miz is gonna look good, I think, as a T-bird. I, I could honestly, I could see the Miz as as a T-bird in real life. Obviously, Maurice would have to be in the pinks, but. You know I I got a feeling Dolph would end up being a T bird as well. It would be like all of Miz's pals. That would be the T birds. Miz, John Morrison, Dolph Ziggler, a couple other people. I'll let you guys I'll let you guys uh, figure that one out. <laughs> so good luck to the Miz this week. Okay. Um The well, this is kinda news, but You know, I guess it's the biggest news this week, which really says a lot. Uh, The Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, and two of his sons have to repay money to the state of Mississippi. An auditor has reached a conclusion in one of the biggest embezzlement schemes in the state of Mississippi. Heart of David Ministries, which is controlled by Ted DiBiase, along with Ted DiBiase Jr. and Brett, are being ordered to repay millions after an audit revealed misspent TANF money, that's Temporary Assistance for Needy Families. In total, State Auditor Shad White's office served demands for more than $77 million. The following demands were made to vendors regarding the illegal spending and there's a familiar name on here besides the DiBiase's Austin Smith will have to pay 378,791 dollars Brett DiBiase has to pay 225,950 dollars Favre Enterprises along with Brett Favre and Robert Kulember will have to pay 828,000 dollars The Heart of David Ministries, controlled by Ted Sr., $722,299. The JTS Enterprises and Transformational Ventures, controlled by Brian Jeff Smith, $674,715. The Marcus Dupree Foundation, controlled by Marcus Dupree, $789,534. Nancy New, not Nancy Drew, Nancy New has to pay the least amount. $2,589. $2,589. Uh, NCC Ventures, controlled by Nicholas Coughlin, has to pay $237,915. Ted Jr. has to pay the biggest one, $3.9 million. Whew, that's a lot of money. Uh, and then Warren, Washington, Isaquana Sharkey, Community... Community Action Agency, they have to pay 75000 and Zach New has to pay $74,000. Well, I, uh, I, I, I guess I won't be asking the million-dollar man for much money anytime soon, but, you know, it's like he said, everybody has a price for the United States government. All right, before I get into the G1, I do want to talk about... Um, GCW they made a huge announcement last week during the GCW Fight Club event which I did watch and it was a good show uh, if you haven't if you haven't had a chance to see it yet I definitely recommend you check it out. it's on Fight TV you probably have to pay like 20 bucks it's not that much so the big announcement that they made is Sunday January the 23rd. Game Changer Wrestling will be perform or will have their first show ever in the Hammerstein Ballroom, and that is a huge ass deal. That's two thousand plus people right there. Um, they have really worked. The promotion has really worked for this for a long, long time. Uh, they've got a, a tremendous fan base and. They have been rewarded. They've been paid off with getting this show at the beginning of the new year in the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City. So congratulations to everyone involved in Game Changer Wrestling that works in Game Changer Wrestling. You guys and girls have definitely earned the opportunity to perform at the Hammerstein Ballroom. And it was also announced this week that Game Changer Wrestling is starting a new promotion called LA Fights. Uh, The press release, GCW said that the promotion will serve as a showcase for wrestlers from the West Coast to perform on a GCW platform. The first show will be on November the 28th at Don Quixote on Olympic Boulevard in Los Angeles. The show will stream live for free on GCW's YouTube page. Los Angeles has become a second home for GCW, said promoter Brett Lauderdale. When we returned to LA in August, we were welcomed with open arms. It felt great to be back, and it felt like there was an opportunity to do so much more. And there will be a chance to do much more November the 28th WWE uh, pretty much announced this week for the first time in a long time there will be no December pay-per-view Uh, Dave Meltzer was the one that broke the story uh, not too long ago the reason and this is just a guess is because of the New Year's Day pay-per-view that's going to take place in Atlanta, Georgia. WWE sees that as the December pay-per-view, so there will be no pay-per-view in December. Originally, they were going to have TLC in Chicago, but that got changed to, I think it's either a house show or a TV taping. I'm not really sure. Oh it's gonna okay it's gotta be a TV. That's what it's gonna be. Um so the last WWE pay per view of this year is going to be the Survivor series, which is November twenty first, which is not that far away, folks. So it's gonna feel honestly, it's gonna feel weird not to cover a December pay per view, you know, right before the end of the year. It, it feels very weird. It, it really does. But I'm kind of glad they don't have a December pay-per-view because to be perfectly honest, you know, with promotions like WWE who do a pay-per-view every month, what's the point of a December pay-per-view? I know, you know, I've talked to some people in the past who are just like, it's useless at this point of the year. They don't really need it. Um... And I kind of agree. The December WWE pay-per-view should not really happen because by that point, not only are the fans kind of checked out, but I think the wrestlers are checked out as well. It's the holiday season. Everyone wants to be home with their loved ones. And why would I want to do a show, you know, the week of Christmas or the week before, you know. But good. I think it's a good call by wwe not to do a december show this year ring of honor announced this week the date and location for final battle 2021 speaking of december pay-per-views this is going to be the big december pay-per-view here this year Mark the date down Saturday night, December 11th. See, that's a reasonable time in December. It's that far away from Christmas. It will be held in Baltimore's Chesapeake Employers Insurance Arena. And I'll read a little bit of the press release. Final Battle has been ROH's biggest annual event since the company's inception in 2002. The star-studded extravaganza has produced a multitude of memorable moments, including match of the year winners and five world title changes. Scores will be settled, championships will be decided, and the best wrestlers on the planet will pull out all the stops at Final Battle. Uh, tickets are not available at this moment, but they probably will be real shortly. So if you want to go to Final Battle in Baltimore, keep your eye out on the ROH, you know, social media, website, and check out, you know, what will happen with Final Battle. But it is set December 11th, Final Battle, Baltimore, Maryland, should be a real good time. All right, speaking of good times, let's get to serious business. It is the final week of the G1 Climax tournament, and it is getting down to the nitty gritty. Monday and Wednesday will decide the A and B block winners, respectively. This coming Thursday, the 21st, will decide the winner of the G1 Climax. To break it down into the situations that we have at the moment, the A block is very complicated at this point in time. There is a four-way tie for first place right now. Kota Ibushi, Shingo, Kenta, and Zack Sabre Jr. all have the exact same record. 6-2, 12 points here Ishii is on the outside looking in. He has a very long shot to win the block. He is at 10 points with a 5-3 record. So, here is the setup for Monday. Because each of the five have a match that's going to determine the outcome. Zach Sabre Jr. will face Tonga Loa. Shingo faces Yujiro Takahashi, Tomohiro Ishii faces Toru Yano, Kota Ibushi faces Kenta. More than likely, the winner of the Ibushi-Kenta match is going to win the block unless something bizarre happens with Shingo and Zack Sabre Jr. I honestly, I really don't think anything's going to happen with Ishii. There's no, there, there's no math. I don't see any mathematical way Ishii can win the block. It just doesn't seem like it. Um, Great Okan is the only one in the A block, besides uh, Naito, who was withdrawn because of injury, um, that is done with the tournament. He will finish at 8 points and a 4-5 and five record. Yano is at four and four with eight points. Tongaloa and Yujiro Takahashi each at four points and a two and six record. Meanwhile, the B block is a lot easier. It is Jeff Cobb and Kazuchika Okada. That's it. Everybody else has been eliminated. After yesterday, Evil losing his second match is out. of of the, out of the running. He cannot win the block. So it comes down to one match Jeff Cobb and Kazuchika Okada. And it's real simple. If Okada wins, he wins the group. If Jeff Cobb wins the group or goes to the draw, which is 30 minutes, Jeff Cobb wins the group. It is that simple. And Jeff Cobb is undefeated. He is 8-0, 16 points. While there have been individuals in the past that have gone undefeated in the G1, in this format of 10 in a block, no one has gone this far undefeated. Jeff Cobb is one match away from winning the block, undefeated, and then would go to the finals on Thursday. And as far as I know, there has been no other matches announced for the Thursday event, which is the final day of the tournament. So I, I would say... Expect anything and everything to happen on that Thursday. But uh to give a to give a preview of group B since I did group A, and I wanna be fair, besides Okada and Cobb, there's Sonata Against Evil, which is gonna be a rematch from uh Wrestle Kingdom, which was a really good match earlier this year. Yoshihashi against Chase Owens, Hiroki Goto against Tamatonga, and Hiroshi Tanahashi against Tai Chi. Now, as far as the rest of the standings in the B block go, Evil is gonna finish third. There's no the, the best he could do is tied for second. That's the best he could do. But at the worst, he's gonna finish third at 12 points. Hiroshi Tanahashi and Sonata are tied at eight. Tama Tonga is at six. Yoshihashi, Hiroki Goto, and Chase Owens and Taichi are at four points. So it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be very exciting to see how the G1 finishes because whoever wins is going to get an IWGP World Heavyweight Title shot at Wrestle Kingdom uh, in early 2022. I mean. Is it possible that Okada can win? It's very possible. But he's had so much trouble with Jeff Cobb this year that Jeff Cobb's kind of had Okada's number. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. And then with the A-block, God, that could go so many ways. Like I said, I don't see Ishii doing enough to make to win the group. I really don't. It's mathematically impossible, I think. Um, I said from the beginning Kenta would win the block, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with my pick, I'm gonna stick with Kenta winning the A block, um, and who knows, maybe it is Kenta that ends up winning it all, maybe it's Abushi who would do an unprecedented three-peat, which I don't think, and and I'm gonna look this up right now, I don't think a three-peat has ever happened in the history of the G1, um, I'm gonna and and I'm only going by the G1, not the other name of the tournament. But I mean, there have been times where okay, like here Chono won three of the first four, but he never won three in a row. Same, same with Tenzan. He won three in a four-year period, but no one's ever won three years in a row. That's that's a lot of history. You know, riding on this is the fact that someone has the chance this deep in the tournament to win 3 years in a row. That's, that that would be quite a feat if Kota Abushi is able to do that. Um I guess because there's still a little bit of time left, uh, I, I, I guess we could talk about the uh, Blood Money Saudi Arabia show coming up on Thursday. Uh, this show, for the record folks, will not be covering that event, but um, do want to mention that on Smackdown tonight will be the first of the two semifinals for both the King of the Ring and the Queen's Crown Tournament. Carmella will face Zelina Vega in one semifinal match. Finn Balor will face Sami Zayn in the King of the Ring semifinal match. Boy, I wonder who's going to win the men's match. Wank, wank. (coughs) Excuse me. And then the other... Semi-finals, which will take place Monday night on Raw. Dewdrop will face Shayna Baszler. And Jinder Mahal will face Xavier Woods in the other semi-final matches with the finals being this Thursday at Crown Jewel. And I'll go through the rest of the card real quick. Um, the big one is Roman Reigns defending the Universal title. Against Brock Lesnar, this is the big one. Um, this is this is basically the one that Roman Reigns, you know, Roman Reigns is beating everyone up to this point. Brock hasn't hasn't had a match in a year and a half, um, but that match should be good. Those two together can actually deliver some good matches. They they really can. Uh, Big E will defend the WWE title against Drew McIntyre. That should be an entertaining match. Becky Lynch will defend the SmackDown women's title in a triple threat match against Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks. Um, Of course, that's an interesting situation because Becky and Bianca are both going to Raw because the the draft doesn't take effect until next Friday. I I I don't feel like saying this is stupid again. I, I really don't. But you get where I'm going with this. Goldberg faces Bobby Lashley in an All Holds Barred match. Goldberg said he will kill Lashley. It wouldn't surprise me if the Prince of Saudi Arabia took that seriously. Edge faces Seth Rollins inside hell in a cell. I, I'm wondering how they got that over there. That's That, that would be a pretty entertaining story there. Uh... RK-Bro defends the Raw Tag Team titles against AJ Styles and Omos, and Mansoor faces Mustafa Ali, plus the finals of both the King of the Ring and the Queen's Crown Tournament. That's nine matches in total for that event. Honestly, the saving, the saving grace for that event is Brock and Roman. That's the only thing that you know would get me to watch this show it's the only thing that would but other than that i i really wouldn't you know i I would not watch it i I just will not watch the show maybe i'll just catch results and that'll be that i'll I'll let other podcasts you know talk about this pay-per-view because i don't really want to so on that note, that is going to do it for this week's episode. Uh, you guys can email me, wrestlingman at that wrestling show.com. if you guys have any questions or comments. Send an email, wrestlingman at that wrestling show.com. That's where you do it. Follow the show on Twitter at Wrestling Show11. Follow the show on Instagram at That show. Join the Facebook group, That Wrestling Show fan group. And visit our Patreon page, patreon.com backslash that wrestling show. Real quick, uh podcast you guys should check out and listen to, starting with our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, with Joe Marotta and Michael Quinn. This week in the They Didn't Make It in New York segment, they talk about Barry Windham. That's a very good topic there. Plus, they start the royal flush of the worst WWF pay-per-views and they review UWF from November 15th, 1986 and we're talking about Bill Watts' UWF, not Herb Abrams. Also, check out Greetings from Allentown with Peter Winston and Keithy Langston as this week they do another GFA Live as they watch an episode of WWF Superstars From August 24th, 1991, the weekend of SummerSlam that year. Check out Juice Pro Wrestling, where this week they interview Chris Margitis and Mike Carey as they discuss their new film, The Manson Brothers' Midnight Zombie Massacre. Sounds like a good, wholesome, family Christian-based entertainment movie. Check it out on Juice Pro Wrestling. And check out the 24-inch podcast, where Steve Bennon and Dave Rollins talk about the career of Hulk Hogan. This week, they discussed the match with Stan Hansen from the Tokyo Dome, April 13, 1990. If you haven't seen that one, that's actually a really good match. So go out of your way to check that out on the 24-inch podcast. If you're looking for non-wrestling reviews, or non-wrestling podcasts, I should say, check out the Best pick Movie Podcast with Tom, John, and Jess. This week, it's a little message here because they are up for some awards, so you might want to check them out. Also, check out the Castle Vault, where this week they discuss Captain America, the Winter Soldier. That is this week on the Castle Vault. On Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, it is part two of their interview with the one and only Weird Al Yankovic, as they talk more on his career and much, much more. Also, Escape from Vault Disney, it's a mini this week where they go through the top 10 episodes of Escape from Vault Disney as voted upon by the Twitter followers. Check out the Three Stooges throwback with Gabe Russo, where he watches each and every Three Stooges short. This week, he reviews the 28th Three Stooges short, Termites of 1938, that is on the Three Stooges throwback. Also, check out Shark's Pond, a South Park podcast, where I watch and review each and every South Park episode. This week, I reviewed the season 13 episode, Butter's Bottom Bitch, that is this week on Shark's Pond, a South Park podcast. And finally, check out Bill Learns Kingdom Hearts. It is the podcast hosted by Jim Boy Star, where I watch and discuss Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories. We're into Season 2 now of the podcast, and talk about everything that happens in the 30 minutes of time that I watch Kingdom Hearts. Next week on the show, going to preview Impact Wrestling's biggest event of the year, bound for glory, going to go through the entire card, plus going to talk about the conclusion to the G1 Climax, and who is on their way to Wrestle Kingdom, the challenge for the IWGP title. Everybody have a good, safe weekend. Have fun, wherever it is you are. And come back here next week for another episode of That Wrestling Show, the podcast where all pro wrestling matters. And as always... Ms Jeannie really scares me. I'm 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 not even kidding. Ms Jeannie scared me.